Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So today, we are going to be jumping into Jumpstart 2022. Uh, We've gotten a bunch of new commanders in the set, as well as a handful of new cards that have potential in the main deck of Commander decks. Uh, So I I really want to jump into this. But before we do so, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, jumping in. Let's talk about the first commander from Jumpstart 2022. What is this one called? So we're going to go in Wooberg order. So this is Lita Mechanical Engineer. Uh, So this is a mythic, but it's kind of like how often they show up in the pack that they show up in because Jumpstart's kind of weird like that. So you will get Lita less often. So just keep that in mind. But what Lita Mechanical Engineer does, she is a 3-3 legendary artifact creature artificer for three mana, two and a white. She has Vigilance, and she has, at the beginning of your end step, untap each other artifact creature you control. And then, if that wasn't enough, she has one more ability. It's three and a white, tap, so four and tap. Create a 5-5 colorless vehicle artifact creature token named Zeppelin with flying and crew three. So you can make a bunch of these, like, vehicle tokens and go to town with them. Um, This is really cool (laughs) i've been wanting to do stuff like this for a long time and this kind of lets you play a bunch of like goofy cards that are like almost good enough you know yeah so ever since we saw drum bellower in uh the neon dynasty commander decks um i've been sort of on the lookout i i assumed that they were going to see more cards in this vein and so we got white plume adventurer uh in commander legends battle for Baldur's gate and now Lita. Yeah. Uh, oh, and is there another one? Oh, no, no. Just to interrupt you. So Drum Bellower and all these cards you're mentioning basically have the text untap all creatures you control during each other player's untap step mm-hmm. uh, or some form of that. So uh, that is what we're talking about. There's a bunch of these new white cards that untap a bunch of stuff like Lita does. Yeah. And um, I really like that this also has a mana sink because one of the things I, I kind of complained about when we saw White Plume Adventurer and Drum Bellower is that there weren't a ton of really strong tap abilities in white. Like, yeah, it's kind of nice to like tap your mother runes every turn or your giver runes or uh, something like that. But here, there, there's still plenty of artifact creature mana dorks. Um, there's a decent number of like two cost ones that top tap for one mana and a handful of ones that like cost three and tap for, you know, maybe two or more mana. So there's like some good options for that, but I, I love that it has the mana sync as well so that you can like tap your Hedron crawler or your metal worker or your palladium mer uh, to cast something else on your turn and then untap it with Lita and then be able to funnel that extra mana into the second ability and make a bunch of Zeppelins. Um, so I think this is a pretty neat commander that there aren't a ton of artifact creatures with tap abilities or, or there's a good number, but I think you are going to end up just like filling out the deck with things like, uh, blade griff prototype or duplicate or something. Um, yeah, some good, good artifact payoff kind of things. Yeah. J- just so like, 
for those cards, it's just going to be sort of like pseudo vigilance rather than something super exciting. Um, but that's fine. I think like as time goes by, we're going to get more gas for this deck. Uh, I think new artifact creatures that tap for mana are they happen they come by frequently enough that I think we'll probably be tweaking and improving Lita for many years to come. Yeah, uh, but how many ha- how many Karns work with these Zeppelins? Because I know that like there's the Peace Walker Colossus that would work with them, but like is there any cheaty way to turn the Zeppelins on that you can think of? Oh, good question. So there's there's like yeah, Karn Silver Golem. Um, can just pay the one mana. There's also Peace Walker Colossus. Um, yeah, that was the one I was thinking. It's a it's a bad vehicle with a good ability. It's one in a white. Uh, target vehicle becomes a creature until end of turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, but I, I don't know if it's going to be a huge... <clears throat> I don't know if it's going to be a huge deal to no. crew them if you're like getting the untap off Lita, but maybe no, you yeah, definitely. get pinched or something. Yeah. Mostly I was thinking about just because what you were saying, like there's not a whole bunch of stuff to put in the deck. Like mm-hmm. this is probably something that I'm like, I would assume most times we see a Lita in the next few months, like there's going to be a Peace Walker Colossus in it or something like that, you know, like something like that. But Especially um, since uh, Peace Walker Colossus is included in the same jumpstart packet. Oh, I did not realize. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get on to the next. Uh, well, this one is mono white too, I guess. Do you want me to read this one off? Sure, go for it. So this is Preston the Vanisher. Um, so Preston the Vanisher is a 2-5 rabbit wizard for four mana. Uh, so maybe you can guess what he's going to do. So three and a white for a 2-5 rabbit wizard who has whenever another non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control if it wasn't cast create a token that's a copy of that creature except it's a zero one white illusion and then you can pay one and a white so two to sacrifice five illusions and exile target non-land permanent um huh it's <laughs> pretty it's pretty good so whenever another non non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control and it wasn't cast. So that's the condition that we're trying to meet here. And it turns out, what has, what has some of those, you know? Um, we'll get, like, I don't know, let's just start diving into this. So what, what's your first impression of this? So it's, my, my first impression is that it requires a lot of infrastructure because um, it kind of doesn't do anything on its own. You need like good, well, you need like blink engines. Um, and then, Kind of to make the blink engines worthwhile, you need a lot of good ETB creatures. Um, so Preston is just kind of a way, it's sort of like a, a pseudo panharmonicon. It doesn't give you the extra ETB like the first time the creature comes in, but on subsequent times when it's being blinked with your teleportation circle or, or conjurer's closet or something, that, that's kind of when you get the extra value. Um, it, and given that it's like, kind of doing nothing on its own i wish it was a little bit cheaper oh, yeah. <laughs> um i i think that in this deck uh the okay there's like a lot of white cantrip creatures we've seen plenty of those recently 
Um, but I think that white is still filling out its suite of just like generally useful ETB effects. Like white only just got its first reclamation sage in like Lauren of the third path. Uh, prior to that, we got space Marine devastator in the Warhammer 40 K decks. And then like we got Skyclave apparition maybe two years ago. Um, but they are, are still, I, I think I would, I would just love to be able to replace like a lot of the roving harpers and sky scanners, just like three mana cantrip creatures with things that like impacted the board or tutored or, or just did something that was a little bit more meaningful in commander. I think there's going to be a lot of games where it just feels like, you know, I'm committing one ones to the board in the hope that I draw into something cool. Um, so that being said, uh, there is combo potential with this deck. If you have a Felidar Guardian, you and any way to blink it, you can uh, do a lot of cool things. So Felidar Guardian is three and a white. For a 1-4 creature cat beast, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile another target permanent you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So what's going to happen is, let's say you like ephemerate a Felidar Guardian or Teleportation Circle, whatever, you blink it somehow. Um, so Preston is going to trigger. Uh, you're going to get the original Felidar Guardian and then the Illusion version of it. Uh, so the Illusion version is going to be able to target the original Felidar Guardian with the blink ability. And then when you do that, Felidar Guardian blinks, it comes back, and then you get another illusion, which you can hit it. And then the the actual like Felidar Guardian entering the battlefield, it's the real one's ETB trigger. You can send that wherever you want. So you can get infinite blinks on your other ETB creatures. You get infinite blinks on your lands to make infinite mana. Um, you can presumably win from there when you have infinite yeah. blinks and <laughs> infinite mana um but it will probably be a challenge to like assemble this because white is not good at tutoring for creatures um i think this is just kind of something that you look into occasionally rather than the mm -hmm. thing you're trying to set up every game yeah that's what i was gonna say is like this is just kind of a thing that like will happen every now and then because preston is like basically just getting you value the whole time so even though you have no way to like really put this together you'll probably get it like more often than never you know like how many times do you have to play a two two for three that draws two cards like and like eerie interludes and you know like you're going to be doing stuff that will get you there so as long as your board isn't wiped like a million times like preston's probably going to say like okay here you go time to go <laughs> <laughs> we, we made it I, like i i am less optimistic i think it's going to be like you know a one in four games oh no that's i think we that's what i'm thinking too i, I think it's oh, going to sure, be like okay. one in four one in five yeah but that's yeah. that's good to me <laughs> okay all right. like for something like this where i can't tutor like if it happens one in five games i'm like nice mm, okay uh i i think like so i get that like the illusion is part of the flavor but uh you know illusions are not a thing in white there's just like no illusions you would want to play so yeah. 
not I really, yet hopefully <laughs> if, all right we'll see <laughs> yeah we'll um, see but like the second ability on this, the activated ability, the one where you sacrifice five illusions to exile target and online permanent, this that just kind of seems like trinket text to yeah. me. It's going to come up like really infrequently and you're going to remember it when it does because it's going to be like an event. You're going to be like, oh my God, I got to pay two and sacrifice five illusions to like stop so-and-so from winning the game. Mm-hmm. And then like it's never going to happen again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Just a couple things to note. Um, so in addition to like blinking effects working really well, like Eerie Interlude and, and Co, um, mass reanimation or, or just like reanimation in general is also very good. So like Storm of Souls, Ascend from Avernus, some of these recent uh, mass reanimation cards we've seen in white are definitely worth looking into. Um, you probably also just want to run like Revelark, um, maybe karmic guide just like etb creatures uh, or in the case of Revelark, leaves the battlefield creatures that can themselves um, trigger pressed in by bringing things back so it's a nice little bit of synergy uh i i think this is not the most powerful commander uh no i i think it's really cool though like i'm really happy that um like they put Preston in mono white like this because they really easily could have like made this one of the two color like sneaky two color commanders. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually think it's cool that they put it in mono white specifically because like as like a last thought on Preston, like Preston's really good in other decks. <laughs> like Preston oh, yeah. as a as a commander like is pretty good considering all the stuff we're getting from mono white, but. Preston in like a Brago list or Preston in uh like any kind of reanimator shell or you know stuff like that like is pretty cool. So like if you're able to like get a bunch of things out of the graveyard all at once, you're doubling up on all of those things. If you're able to like flicker your whole board multiple times uh in a round or like even just once a turn like with a Brago where you're just getting like this insurmountable amount of card advantage from these flicker effects like preston is gonna easily push you over the top there so like i think this is a really cool like commander and i think it's they they were really thinking about like where white is gonna fit in in the future which is cool i love seeing that stuff oh yeah it is certainly promising it definitely suggests that we're gonna see more white blink effects and reanimation effects in the future so i i definitely love seeing that aspect of it um maybe this is a commander that will like grow in esteem over time i just but i I do wish it was a little cheaper and i wish we had like a little bit more support for it right now but Mm -hmm. hopefully that'll change yeah no i i'm i'm optimistic but we have uh we have more guys so do you want to get into this next one yes uh this next one is alandra the sky dreamer it is two blue blue for a two four legendary creature merfolk wizard Whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 2-2 blue Drake creature token with flying. And whenever you draw your fifth card each turn, Alondra Sky Dreamer and Drakes you control each get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of cards in your hand. So uh, this card definitely evokes Talrand. Um, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like, I, I'm pretty sure this person is from the same plane like the drakes look yeah. the same they're the like same drakes clearly... they're wearing the same outfit kind of thing yeah, yeah you know yeah 
Um, but I think this is just like significantly worse. I think that what what this this isn't especially good at generating drakes. Like, yeah, you can do it. You can, you know, just draw like play a cantrip on your turn and play like some sort of instant that draws two on an opponent's turn, but it is just like way more difficult than Talrand in terms of like generating a token army. And then the second half of the card, the like buff effect, I don't actually think it's that important that you have that in the command zone. I think that they're like, as someone who's played against a lot of Talrand decks over the years, I think there are just like enough ways to win the game once you have a million drakes that it's not essential that you sneak that into the command zone. So mm-hmm. I I like the Talrand uh I like Talrand better for this style of deck. Like you get a million drakes and then you're you figure out how to win from there as opposed to like you figure out how to make your drakes you like you jump through the hoop to make the drakes and then you jump through the hoop to pump the drakes. Um like Talrand's hoop in comparison is extremely easy to get through. Uh and so I like him better. Yeah, no, I so uh, I'm going to start this with everything you said is correct. I think Talrand is a stronger commander, but I really like Elantra. <laughs> I really like that, like, this is a card where, because one of the things with Talrand is, like, there's a lot of, di- we've talked about Talrand a lot in the past. Like, there's a lot of different ways you can build Talrand. You can do theme decks. Now you can do old border Talrand, new border Talrand. Um, you can do a whole bunch of stuff. But if you just are going to build Talrand and you're not going to like put any like breaks on, the deck can like pretty quickly get ahead of most other kind of casual-ish decks. Like Talrand is just pretty strong, uh, especially if you're like leaning into it. Where Alondra kind of lets someone like me who doesn't like to put on the breaks, like I can lean full fledge into her and like it is an acceptable play level for <laughs> everyone at the table. Um, and I, I think that's cool. So like kind of like a commander that's giving you a Talrand like experience, like you're still playing these uh, cantrips and very particular ones, like ones where you're, you're like drawing two, discarding one, stuff like that for your opponent's turns and things like that. Um, actually seems like a pretty fun gameplay to me so even though everything that you said is i think correct and and right um i'm actually really excited about alondra because drawing two on an opponent's turn like first off i'm just drawing cards so that's fun and then like being able to not feel guilty about doing that or not like knowing that like i'm getting ahead on board but like not in a way that's like so oppressive that no one's gonna want to play with me next game (laughs) like is is pretty fun to me so this is kind of like where i like seeing some commanders and and blue in particular has so many commanders in this space that like we have um what was the wily illusionist what was her name i can't remember now the from forgotten realms Commander. oh the little gnome thing yeah i think i can't remember yeah i think that, that i think that's correct yeah yeah so we've gotten like a few different tower end clones there's the fractal one from um Strixhaven, Dika, yeah, D- yeah, Dika. Um, so there's various levels, but this kind of sits at a spot like that I really like. So I think iterating on this, like drawing cards design, is fun 
and uh, not going to break anything. And like when they can pull back or push forward on designs that were like close, I think that's a good thing because then you can end up somewhere that's a little more fun. Cause there's definitely some commanders that like, I think we need a redo, <laughs> you know, that, that deserve a second chance. And, and, uh, and if they're willing to kind of reiterate on designs like this, then I think that's, that's a good thing for the game too. Yeah. I, you know, sometimes, uh, in sets where just like the crop of commanders is not particularly good i i get a little bit self-conscious like like crimson vow for example i think oh yeah <laughs> I, I i you know it's not super fun to put out a set review where it's like just kind of consistently negative about the commanders yeah. <laughs> so i i like this angle you're taking where like alandra is better because she is worse like we should definitely <laughs> keep that in our back pocket whenever we're we're looking for things to say about a, a commander that doesn't really shine um, <laughs> well I, th- I think she does i think like the hoop is going to be fun for people in a way where it's like not um not oppressive where like uh old rutstein or whatever his name was like I don't really know if anyone was excited. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't know how how far you'd have to iterate on that design before it became like an interesting hoop to jump through. You know, so so yeah, no, that definitely is specific to this like mono blue drawing cards. But okay, All but right. yeah, no, we will. I, I will remind you of this. So in the future, we can be a little bit more positive. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, we're we're twenty one minutes in and I've covered three commanders, so I, right, I think perhaps yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's not uh, all right. Cards. Yeah. Uh, next we've got Ashcoat of the Shadow Swarm. This is three and a black for a three four legendary creature rat warlock. Uh, whenever Ashcoat attacks or blocks, other rats you control get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of rats you control. At the beginning of your end step, you may mill four cards. If you do, return up to two rat creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Um so this is a rat commander, and how do you feel it compares to Maronar or, uh, I guess, I guess like Marilyn also as like a rat commander? Yeah. So uh, this is something where like I, uh, so when I started playing Magic again, uh, friend of the show Alex Whiteclay had a sixty card casual rat deck, and uh, I feel like this was designed with that deck in mind where they asked like people who played with all of the old rat cards, like what they would have wanted out of a rat commander and like made it. Um, that said, I don't know if they like pushed the power level crazy. Like when I first read this card, I had thought that the, that first ability when Ashcoat attacks or blocks. Um, Oh no, no, it is other rats. Um, yeah. So Okay, never mind. I'm back on it. I've, I'm I'm feeling Ash Code again. Um, just like being able to kill someone with a pretty small board, like is pretty easy in twenty life formats. You know, you have like four relentless rats. That's like sixteen damage coming in, right? Like boom, mm-hmm. like not not crazy to to have that happen pretty quickly, but sixteen damage coming into one person in a forty card or a 40 life format was like not good. So I, I do feel like they like looked back at rats and like maybe even asked rat players what they wanted and gave them this. Um, that said, like, I think 
there's still better commanders for that. Um, like if you just really want to go hard on rats, I, I think that there are still, I think the two standouts are still the standouts basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think that like, I mean, the great thing about rat colony is like, it just, kind. I mean, you do, if you have a bunch on board, you do like kind of have the power problem solved. Um, and I, I think that like Maronar giving you evasion for all your guys is pretty valuable. And like Marilyn, you know, finding your, uh, well, finding your, um, your thrumming stone or whatever, I guess it doesn't have to be Marilyn. It could be like, um, it could be like Sadisi or just any other black sort of yeah. tutory commander. Um, oh, maybe even just like, uh, actually, you know what? Forget forget Marilyn. I think it's really just Marinar. Marinar has a critical mass of no, tutors I, anyway. I think I think Marilyn is too because you just like get the one, you you or or you get two things. You either have like the Marilyn the Mornson deck where you get uh, opposition agent, stone. yeah, or opposite, yeah. <laughs> or opposition opposition agent, um, or you get Thrumming Stone, or you get the Marilyn song where you get the puzzle box, and then you get the Thrumming Stone. And then, so if you have a Teferi's puzzle box with Marilyn out, you can make sure everyone else like pitches the card that they tutor for with Marilyn because Marilyn says no one can draw cards. And at the beginning of each player's upkeep, they tutor for a card. And do they lose life too? Or am I tripping? Uh, they lose three life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so kind of like, what is the game like if we all can get the perfect thing every turn but the answer is i actually don't let you do that because teferi's puzzle box puts it on the bottom uh because they're both my triggers so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so a little bit mean there but that i think is probably the best rats deck still honestly if you're gonna ask me but all of that said i still think Ashcoat is like a really cool rat commander and people love playing with cards that have the text right like uh, having a rat in the command zone for your rat deck feels good, and if you play other tribal cards, they like contribute, so that feels nice. So, um, but do you want to get moving? I'll, I'll I'll say one more thing, which is just that like, uh, the the recursion is nice because like you know the the biggest threat to a rat deck is just somebody wiping the board, but I think that your because black is also on color for mass reanimation um i think you can just solve that with what you put in the main deck as opposed to needing this in the command zone i think that just what maronar offers you in the command zone is more valuable mm-hmm. yeah no i i agree and it, the two commanders i was uh kind of referring to when i was saying the two current kings were marilyn the Mornsong and maronar so yeah i think uh, this might reinvigorate rat players until they see how much rat colonies cost again. But um, oh yeah, I just checked and it's ooh, it's not pretty. Yeah, <laughs> but but if you are a rat player, um, this might inspire you to put that deck back together if you happen to have the cards or have the uh, ability to get them pretty easily. So uh, we're in red now. Do you want to get into this first one? I, I don't have too much to say about this. Yeah, I don't, I don't love this one. Uh, probably shouldn't have said that before reading it because i have all primed you now to to, <laughs> to uh review it unfavorably but this is ardaz cobbler of war 
Uh, one in red for a 1-1 legendary creature Goblin Shaman with haste. Whenever Ardaz or another creature enters the battlefield under your control, that creature gets plus 2, plus 0 until end of turn. She also has 3 in a red. Create a 1-1 red Goblin Creature token with haste. Activate only as a sorcery. All right. Uh, I mean, that we always talk about like how a plus two plus O pump is lit or is kind of like our bare minimum for pump effects. Like they just in order to scale to commander. But the thing is like the fact that it only happens once per like once ever, it's not like a constant thing. Loses a lot of the value. You're not in a color identity where you can just like blink all your guys and then have them get the bonus again. Um, and and really like the the practical effect of this plus two plus this one time plus two plus o pump is just like this seems like a worse perforos god of the forge uh because like perforos you get to deal damage to your opponents whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control but it's two to each opponent as opposed to you know a plus two plus o bump to one creature that could potentially translate into an extra two damage to one opponent if you can get it through. Um, so I, I just think like, uh, this is not the haste tribal commander. I really wanted. No. Yeah. Um, they keep blowing it on that one. Cause there's also, um, what's your name from return to Ravnica with the counters. I'm sorry, listeners for, blowing all the names this morning um uh give me a color identity she was the rakdos one uh oh exava exava there you go yeah so she was like uh the each other creature you control with a plus plus one counter on it has haste yeah so like ostensibly like a really cool like hasty commander but it just like is kind of hard to do in those colors and that's what this looks like here it's like oh, okay well like i guess i can play my guys with haste but like wasn't why there, wasn't there a tyranid we just saw a tyranid that was kind of like haste tribal um oh <laughs> okay wait give me one sec yeah um, it was a death leaper terror weapon so yeah. creatures you control that entered the battlefield this turn have double strike so it's also kind of playing in the same space it's a little bit better because like double strike, you know, can play nicely with like combat damage triggers or something. Um, but yeah, kind of weird that we're seeing like two very similar cards in such a sh- short span of time. Uh, <laughs> remind me to talk about that more when we get to Rodolph. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's keep on moving. Then. <laughs> so okay. let me read off this next one if that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. This is Auntie Blight, Bad Influence. So this is a 2-2 Devil Advisor uh, for 3 mana, 2 and a red. Uh, She has flying, and whenever a source you control deals damage to you, put that many plus 1 plus 1 counters on Auntie Blight. And then she has another ability. It's 2 tap, remove X plus 1 plus 1 counters from Auntie Blight. It deals X damage to any target. So, yeah, this is a pinging commander, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're, we're pinging yourself so she can ping somebody else right i'm like all right everybody no i'm not actually this is actually i i really do like this card though um you just slam jam very quickly <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah there's a couple ways to like really shortcut her into just a lethal voltron commander um like volcano hellion 
deals like an amount of damage of your choice equal to you and target creature. So that can immediately pump her up to, you know, 21 power. Heartless Hitetsugu will also work, provided your like life totals are still relatively high at that point. Um, so you can like, I, I mean, just have everyone's life total, and and then Auntie's big enough to finish the job. Uh, there's also like some life link uh, granters. There, there's only a handful of them in mono red, but uh, it's probably worth slamming a few of the better ones in here. So that you can deal a bunch of damage to yourself, Auntie gets big, you hit with her, and then you gain all the life back. That seems like a fun little gameplay pattern. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she seems cool. I, I think it's a pretty cool commander. Yeah, no, I'm I'm into this. It's a cool and a cool mono red commander, and I'm into those. So uh we got some mono oh, I guess I guess technically one mono green commander <laughs> so um <laughs> this next one is runati behemoth caller so runati behemoth caller is a one three cat shaman uh for three mana two and a green uh, and has a few abilities so the first one is whenever you cast a creature spell with mana value five or greater that creature enters the battlefield with an x additional plus one plus one counters on it where x is its mana value minus four so a five drop gets one, a six drop gets two, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it has two more abilities. Creatures you control with three or more plus one plus one counters on them have haste. So seven drops have haste is basically what that's saying. And then the last ability, get ready, it's a doozy. It's tap, add a green. So you got a mana dork that makes your seven drops hasty. Uh, how do you I- feel? <laughs> I I don't love this. This is not a great incentive for making me want to play really expensive creatures. Um like they've like played around in this design space of like encouraging big fat uh for a while now and I think there's been much better executions. Like I think Gargos was pretty successful at this like the fact that he gives you such a huge cost reduction, like makes your Hydra's cost four less, really encourages you to to put expensive cards in your deck, or at least cards that can be expensive if they've got X in their cost. Um, whereas this, like, uh, like my, it doesn't really solve the problem of like I'm probably only only going to cast like one spell per turn every turn for a very long time um that's not how you win a game of commander i and like i i'm just not into this i don't think that i think if you like literally do what the card tells you to do you're just not going to have a lot of fun um and i don't think that's a great design yeah i I mostly agree with that. I think that there are some play groups where this is going to be like fine. You know, there's going to be like lower powered play groups where they uh, like my only anima is still like a pretty good deck, you know. And if that's the case for like you and your friends, then Runati's probably fine. So, other than that, if you're going to go to like an event or something like that, unless you're doing something like kind of crazy or you're just ramping insanely fast like is yeah probably put them put them on the sideline 
I would say like if you want to play a bunch of big fats, like you're gonna have more fun with Gwenna, Eyes of Gaia, or like Goreclaw, Terror of Calcisma. Probably more yeah. so Gwenna. Like I think they're just doing a much better job at incentivizing it with the cost reduction. Um like significant cost reduction is just a better tool for this than you get one to three plus one plus one counters. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I'm yeah, and haste and haste, but uh, no, only, yeah, I, only some of the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so I, I, I agree with you for the most part. I, I don't want to completely discount like Rudani or Runati, sorry, but um, I will say that I'm going to forget about them in about two weeks. So, uh, yep, remind me in two weeks, listeners, and I, I'll be excited to read a whole new card again. Um. Do we want to get into the semi-multicolor cards now? Yes, uh, I'll read off this first one. This is Kibo Uktabi Prince. Two and a green for a 2-2 legendary creature, Monkey Noble. Tap. Each player creates a colorless artifact token named Banana. With tap, sacrifice this artifact. Add red or green, you gain two life. Whenever an artifact an opponent controls is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus and plus one counter on each creature you control that's an ape or a monkey. And whenever whenever Kibo attacks, defending player sacrifices an artifact. So, uh, worth noting, there are only 53 monkeys, apes, and creatures with changeling in this color identity. Uh, and a lot of them are very bad. <laughs> really? So, <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're not going to get your, like, it, it's not like a human deck where you just have a an abundance of options. You're going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel to like fill out this deck. The fortunate thing is uh, this is actually like a pretty good pump effect. I think there's so much artifact destruction in this color identity uh, that you can get. Like if you are tapping, if you're making bananas every single turn and then just immediately destroying those bananas, uh, you're going to get a really significant bump in your creature's, power and toughness every single turn so it's probably worth it to run a lot of these terrible monkeys and apes like you know herd ape might not actually be bad if it just like costs one mana like comes down early and then carries a million counters from your your kibo shenanigans um so i think this could be a fun deck uh it is a shame that there's just not more good creatures in the color. And this is definitely like along the scale of like, uh, well, actually this is probably all you need to know. Like this is a deck that, uh, you wouldn't blink twice if you saw a universal automaton. in. I think this is like not (laughs) really playing into the strengths of the tribe so much as just, uh, you know, they chose it it almost it feels a little bit random. Like I know Uktabi Orangutan is like the most famous ape. Um but and, and I with I guess Gorilla Shaman coming in too, but mm, Yeah, this just it, feels like a throwback to me, you know, like you're gonna play your like tree monkey and uh it can only be blocked by it's a one one that can only be blocked by creatures with flying. Uh and it's gonna get kinda big and you know, maybe that will be fun. I, I actually really like. I will probably end up building 
this deck just because when I was a kid, I had an ape deck and like it was kind of just like a lol random thing I did because I was like 11 or whatever. But like, Mm -hmm. I think like this is the first time nostalgia has actually really gotten me (laughs) when it came to a magic card (laughs) because I'm pretty like immune to a lot of nostalgia stuff. Like, I like seeing story throwbacks because I think it gives them like cool like holds on designs and cool designs to build. This is kind of the opposite where this is the first time I'm like seeing a design and being like, this feels pretty disjointed, but you know, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I, it's, it's definitely, uh, I think one of the things that's going to end up happening is like, you're going to have to figure out how to give your opponents treasures or something, you know, cause they're going to run out of, if you're doing your job right, they're going to run out of uh, artifacts to blow up. Because it's going to be incredibly easy for you in this color to, or in Gruel in particular, to like blow everything up um, way faster than they're going to be able to put them out there. So mm-hmm. um, that's maybe something like I'll, I'll get to testing and let everybody know, but we will have a list up uh, when this episode goes live so that you can kind of see for yourself uh, what apes and things do exist <laughs> out in the world. And how bad they really are. <laughs> <laughs> one one thing I will say before we move on, this is an excellent deck for uh, liquid metal coating and liquid metal torque. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just naturally want to run so much artifact destruction and just coating up your opponent. And I guess like <laughs> maybe even mere landshaper. <laughs> uh, yeah, just honestly. being able to uh, just being able to like a have more targets for your artifact destruction and b like. Oh no, that uh, that Karn Liberated is actually an artifact, and I'm just gonna ha- smush it with my monkey. Uh, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, do you want to read off this next one? Yes. Uh, this next one is Rodolph Duskbringer. It is five and a black for a four-four legendary creature vampire angel with flying, death touch, and lifelink. Whenever you gain life, Rodolph Duskbringer gains indestructible until end of turn. And at the beginning of your end step, you may pay one and hybrid white black. When you do, return target creature card with mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, where X is the amount of life you gained this turn. So, uh, it is a black white life link or, or like life gain commander, which isn't totally new, uh, but the reward in this case is reanimation, and it's kind of expensive like six mana is a lot for a commander these days and then to get the benefit on the turn it enters uh is going to cost you an additional two mana on top of that so like eight mana to get value the turn you cast it provided you also have like some other way to gain life that that doesn't require mana um that seems very steep to me yeah, no, I I think it is. I think what this looks like to me is like a uh you play this like late game. So there's been a few commanders that I've been seeing uh recently, like out in the wild, or like I've been playing a lot of six mana commanders where kind of like the gameplay is like you do some stuff and the stuff is good and then it's better when your commander is there. Uh and then you play your commander eventually when you have like eight mana or something like that. Uh, and that's what Rudolph looks like to me. Like it looks like you're going to be playing around with like white, black, life gain triggers, et cetera, et cetera. And then like 
after like you and you're not casting it turn six right like you're probably casting it like turn seven or eight or something like that and then rudolph comes down and starts doing the thing so i don't think that's good (laughs) um but again it's kind of like i feel like they're hitting on play patterns that are pretty fun with these commanders like the if you look at like auntie blight like that play pattern's pretty fun like i would say that like alondra is pretty fun uh preston is pretty fun you know they're they're doing things that are pretty interesting um so even though this isn't very powerful i think that it is still someone's gonna like this you know and also just like the novelty of like vampire angel i think is gonna get somebody in the same way that monkey tribal got me you know no I'm, i'm sure that's true um yeah one last thing i'll say like is like this is very close uh temporally to the release of celestine the living saint um so celestine yeah yeah, so celestine the living saint is from uh the warhammer 40k precons and is four and a white for a three four legendary creature human warrior with flying and lifelink and at the beginning of your end step return target creature card with mana value x or less from your graveyard to the battlefield where x is the amount of life you gain this turn so uh one less color in its identity so that is certainly painful um but cheaper to cast cheaper to get the the death trigger um doesn't have death touch can't give itself indestructible but if basically like if you're interested in this gameplay and you don't mind playing mono white uh i think celestine just might work out for you better but just a thought well all right let's move on on. to the next guy uh so next is zask skittering swarm lord uh this is three green green for a five five legendary creature insect you may play lands and cast insect spells from your graveyard. Whenever another insect you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library, then mill two cards. You can pay one and hybrid black green, so two mana, and target insect gets plus one plus O oh and gains death touch until end of turn. Um, so this is an insect tribal commander and also like a crucible of worlds commander. Um, and I, I think before we even start evaluating it, I have to tell you all of the things it can't do that you think it does. Oh, yeah. uh, this is a really this gets into like some kind of unintuitive areas of the rules. Um, so I'll, I'll start with the obvious one. Uh, Canoptic Tomb Sentinel does not work. Uh, Canoptic Tomb Sentinel is like. Uh, it is an artifact creature. It was originally printed in the um, Warhammer 40k precons, and it's an insect. Um, but it says when it enters the battlefield from a graveyard, uh, destroy target non-land permanent, or sorry, exile up to one target non-land permanent. But the thing is, if you are casting a spell from your graveyard then it's leaving the graveyard and then going onto the stack and then from the stack going onto the battlefield. So it's not going directly from the graveyard to the battlefield. And that means you won't get the trigger if you cast Canoptic Tomb Sentinel from your graveyard using Zask. Uh, another, th- so, okay, that's probably an obvious one. You, a lot of you already knew that. Here's some other things that don't work that you think would work. Um, so Bane of the Living is an insect with morph and it has like X 
morph X black black. Uh, when you turn it face up, all creatures get minus X minus X until end of turn. Uh, the thing is, when you are playing a spell from your graveyard, like it, or rather, when you're playing a morph spell, the morph spell has no creature type. So you, when it's a card says you can cast insect spells from your graveyard, uh, Bane of the Living cast as a morph is not an insect spell. So you can't actually play an insect face down from your graveyard. And the same is true of Nantuko Vigilante. Um, so good morph insects, of which is uh, a couple, um, do not work. Another thing that doesn't work, uh, Ashes of the Fallen. Ashes of, of the Fallen it seems like a card would have to work in this deck. It, it seems like perfect for this. It doesn't work. Uh, Ashes of the Fallen, two mana artifact. As it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Each creature card in your graveyard has the chosen creature type in addition to its other types. So you're thinking, ah, you know what, insects, I'm not not my jam, but I love the idea of casting creatures from my graveyard, so I'm just going to make everything in my graveyard an insect and then cast it with Zask. Nope, that doesn't work. Uh, the thing is, the creature card in your graveyard, yes, that does have the creature type. But once it becomes a spell, it no longer has the type. Ashes of the the Fallen does not grant the insect creature type to your creature spells. So you're trying to cast Shieldred or something out of your graveyard. It doesn't work. It's not an insect spell. And that's exactly what Zask specifies. Um, So with that out of the way, what (laughs) what does work with Zask? What can you do with Zask? Um, I, I think that like flash granters are very fun and good here. Um, like it, it does kind of suck that Zask prevents you from just casting like your caustic caterpillar or your haywire might over and over and like, you know, just nuking all the artifacts and enchantments, but, um, you can get around that in a couple ways. If you have like a Vidalcan orrery, then it, you know, you sacrifice your caustic caterpillar. It goes to the graveyard. Zask triggers, and then re- in response to that, you just recast the caterpillar out of your graveyard again. Uh, and so you you still get to mill the cards, but you don't have to lose the caustic caterpillar to the bottom of your library. Um, a, another card that is probably too much money because it's on the reserve list, um, but which works incredibly well in this deck is Alurin. Oh, so yeah, Alurin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh so Alurin is a symmetrical effect. It's two green green for an enchantment. Any player may cast creature spells with mana value three or less without paying their mana costs and as though they had flash. So this solves the problem of like giving your things flash, provided they're cheap enough, but they are. Most good insects are cheap anyway. Um so this solves the problem of giving your things flash so that you can cast them out of your graveyard in response to Zask's trigger. And you also get to, you know, do it for free. Um, so you can, if you wanted to go in a more combo direction, you could just like get any sack outlet in this and then have Zask, Alurin, any bug, any sack outlet, get infinite of whatever the sack outlet generates. Um, that could be fun. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and if it's like a virus beetle or like any like little thing that, like that. Yeah, like actually does something. Yeah, then you're yeah. going to be getting additional value from that. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, I think it's. I think this is a cool deck. Still, I think this actually is going to scratch the itch that a lot of like insect players like wanted and like have yet to have achieved. 
Um, <laughs> Can I know? say just a few more things on Zask? I, I know we're running long, but... Uh, no, it's all good. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, so I will say that I think the number of good insects is relatively low. Um, I was like happy to put uh, maybe a dozen insects in this deck. It, it's not a lot. Um, so, so I think that, I, I mean, you can go for a deck where you're just like really trying to maximize the value of the mill and like figuring out exactly how many bugs you need to run so that the mill is like consistently getting you more things to cast out of your graveyard. But if you do that, you just end up with a million bad cards in your deck. And uh, sometimes I, I like decks like that. I do play, um, I mean, I play Kestia. I played Kestia for a million years, and that's nothing but bad cards. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think that like in this case, the reward is not so good. Um, or the reward is not good enough for filling your deck with bad cards. And so I, I went with like a relatively insect light one. And, and my plan is just kind of get the, the flash graner and replay the same few good ones over and over rather than having a bunch of bad cards in my deck. But, um, Oh, I, I will mention like grist. The hunger tide is an important insect to mention. That's actually a pretty good one. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, the, there is this whole other half of the card which we haven't talked about much, which is the fact that you can play lands from your graveyard. And if you're not going to put bugs in there, you can just put in all these things that work really well with having a crucible in the command zone. Um, like, first off, your deck is going to run as many fetches as it possibly can. Um, also, like strip mine variants are very very good in this deck, and then you want to fill your deck with like extra land drop effects. So that, you know, I, I play my my Fabled Passage, crack it, use my extra land drop from Azusa, replay my Fabled Passage, crack it, use my third land drop from Azusa, and, and replay my Fabled Passage, and just ramp like crazy. That seems pretty good. Um, I, I think that there's... I, I think that is going to probably lead to more victories, just like you know, ramping way ahead of your opponents and also blowing up all their lands with demolition field or something. Um, it's probably going to get you further along than just like going through convoluted loops to recur your caustic caterpillar. Um, <laughs> but uh, just a thought. I, I think this is a, a pretty neat commander either way. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's kind of my last thought on it. It was like, I, I think you. This is not a commander where you're going to be jamming a bunch of changelings into it. Like you're going to be pretty intentional with like what insects you put into it because of the lands part on the second half. So uh, I think black green lands does some really interesting, funny stuff sometimes. Um, green playing out of the graveyard is uh, pretty well trodden territory. So if you want some more tech for specifically like lands coming out of the graveyard. You can look at like all three Titania lists <laughs> mm-hmm. came out of bro, you know, stuff like that. So there, there's places um, that you can get a little bit more and we, you can get a little more in the weeds. Uh, and uh, okay, okay. One last thing. Sorry. Okay. 
this is also naturally like a very good deck for self mill effects. You're going to want your Mesmeric Orb. You're going to want your Hermit Druid. Um, even though I mentioned earlier that Ashes of the Fallen does not work, Mask uh, Maskwood Nexus does work because Maskwood Nexus, Maskwood Nexus uh, specifically uh, grants uh, your creature spells all types. So that will allow you to play any creature out of your graveyard. Um, okay, I, I think I'm done. We can, we can move okay. on now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to read off this next one then, which is uh, Kenesos, Priest of Thassa. Or Thassa, I guess. Um, so uh, Kenesos is a 1-3 Merfolk Cleric for two mana, one and a blue. And I love that it's a cleric here. I think that's so funny. Um, so they have two abilities. So the first one is if you would scry a number of cards, scry that many cards plus one instead. You're like, all right, okay, cool. Two mana scry a commander, whatever. And then it has three hybrid green blue. So four mana, either three and a green or three and a blue. Look at the top card of your library. If it's a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent creature card, you may put it onto the battlefield. If you don't put the card onto the battlefield, you may put it on the bottom of your library. So, uh, yeah, Sea Monster Commander. We got a blue green actual sea monster commander um it's calling out all the the big boys it's a cheap little donk to do early this is it right we did it we <laughs> we hit the big time right there's nothing possible that could no go possible wrong improvements can be yeah. made on this design <laughs> yeah exactly uh, right right uh so i think this is, this is pretty goofy like the fact that Okay, I get what kind of happened here. Like, they wanted to fit in a sea monster commander, but they couldn't make a jumpstart packet that was all about sea monsters. Um, and so they just kind of, like, put it as a backdoor thing on this, like, scry packet. The problem with that is... Uh, well, okay. First off, there are fewer sea monsters than you thought there were. Uh, if you combine all of the Krakens, all the Leviathans, all the Octopuses, all the Serpents, all the creatures with Changeling in this color identity, it's not a lot. It's like a little over, it's like 100-ish. And a lot of those cards are very bad because um, a lot of them say like a lot of those Serpents were designed in a time where Serpents couldn't attack unless defending player controls an island. Or a lot of them typically get just used for uh, a lot of these creature types tend to get used for like the blue big common or uncommon that can't attack unless certain condition is met. So just like limited fodder crap. Uh, I honestly think that the number of good cards in with one of these creature types is like in, in this color identity is literally like five. There's like five <laughs> cards I'm excited to run. And then the rest is just like filler to to increase my hit rate. But I, I think like I, I think if you are trying to blind flip off of Knessos, um you're only doing it like if you are in top deck mode and have literally nothing else to do with your mana, or you have infinite mana. Um and I don't think you would ever do it just kind of like as a random value thing, because it seems like such a hopeless action unless you're doing it a billion times. 
Mm-hmm. So like I don't so I think that like building your deck to enhance the blind flipping is probably a bad idea. I don't think you actually want to run so many uh like so many krakens, leviathans, whatever uh that you are actually likely to hit off of your activation. That seems wrong. I think you're probably better off just like uh running tutors to put them on or like running a lot of library manipulation like Sylvan Library, Mary's Guile, Sensei's Divining Top, Scroll Rack, so that you can put the few good ones on top of your library and then just uh get like guaranteed hit off of Knessos. Um but even then that seems like a lot of work and a lot of mana. Like if you know, I pay one mana to my to activate my scroll rack to put my AEC on top of my library and then pay four mana to my Knessos to put the AEC from my library directly onto the battlefield. I have saved a grand total of one mana. Um mm-hmm. I that that's not amazing i would probably be happier if this just said like your sea monsters cost two to three less to cast just make it like an unesh um yeah i mean yeah. so I'm, I'm gonna repeat something that has been said in our uh, like discord server because i like 100 agreed with it there's actually like if this was going to be a blue green like sea monster commander like there's not really a reason that it needed this like cheaty activation but if this was like a blue black sea monster commander then i feel like that would have been a little bit more warranted cuz like the difference like well one of the things is that a lot of sea monsters don't do anything unless you cast them <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, I'm talking about like a Holebreaker Horror. I'm talking about an Elwater Deep Fiend, Brylin the Moon Kraken, Breaching Leviathan. There's a lot of these cards that like don't do anything unless you get a cast trigger off of them. Otherwise, they're just like a big guy. Slinvoto the Rising Deep and like Elder Deep Fiend. Yeah, yeah. Just cheating on them is you're just cheating on some fat. Where like in a blue black deck, like that's actually good. You're actually probably gonna save mana. Because really, in blue green, you can just get to eight. Like yeah. that's not actually that difficult <laughs> to do. Yeah. So it's it's really. Uh, I feel like this is a pretty good. Like they're trying to give you something to do early, so that later on you can like pump a bunch of mana into this ability and like cheat a bunch of sea monsters in. But uh, I feel like they just got the colors wrong or something like that like now this is just kind of like uh well i guess we'll see or, or we'll get to see like if a bunch of people do gravitate towards this over other like blue green sea monster lists of which there are not like that many good options you know i'll i'll push back a little bit on like the blue black thing because i i think that um I, like i mentioned there were five good sea monsters two of them are aec and coma uh and both Mm -hmm. of those have like a blue green color identity um whereas like i don't know if the you get rexial what else do you get with a 
a black blue color identity like you get, you get the horrors Perk, i guess yeah you get the like uh some of the demure things that like um let me let me get in there um I know this is not like the fastest search to do while we're on the air because I have to type out four different long ass creature types. It's okay, they're they're not gonna know. <laughs> they're not gonna know. They're they're gonna hear us talk about it, and then all of a sudden the answer is gonna be presented. So, um, the room noise will like there will be a slight blip as the room noise changes. <laughs> exactly. Um, nothing new in the octopus. Um. You get Nemesis of Reason and Leviathans. Like, okay, Gyruda is good. Yeah, Gyruda. You get Bog Serpent. <laughs> you get Rot Tide. You get Rot Tide Gargantua. Huh? <laughs> Slinking Serpent. Forest Walk. Ooh. Yeah, see, see, like, I don't think. Okay, Gyruda is sweet, but I think I would rather have AEC and Coma than Gyruda if that's the. The exchange I'm making. Mm, I'm I'm really saying it not specifically from like a um like I don't want AC or something like that, but more like blue black needs the mana help more. Like mm-hmm. paying seven for I don't know, uh paying seven for an eight drop uh is a lot better in blue black than it is in blue green, or like paying four for a serpent of yawning depths or something like that, you know? Um, that's like a tangible mana advantage that is like meaningful, but in blue green, it's like, it's like a pittance, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's I, I just don't like anything. that my cost reduction effect can whiff. Like I would, mm-hmm. I get that they wanted the ability to synergize with like the scry thing that Kinesis is going for, but this card looks weird anyway. Like the first ability makes your scries better but the second ability like even though it looks at the top card and allows you to put it on the top or the bottom like it doesn't scry so like the two abilities don't even synergize (laughs) don't Mm -hmm. even like directly synergize um like it should have been scry one then you may reveal the top card of your library and if it's a blah 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 then put it on the battlefield um the fact that they don't work together this is going to be a dumbass looking card anyway might as well just make it so that Timmy doesn't spend his entire turn activating it and whoop, it's another forest. Um, <laughs> I leave it on top. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I don't know. This, the fact that they have checked the box uh, makes me very sad. I, I think that they're not going to try again at this anytime soon, even though this thing is like disfigured by the product it was printed in like it, it's one of the it's like one of those uh like square watermelons that you can got, get in japan <laughs> where they like grow it into a container to get the weird shape that's what kinesos is like it's not what it's not the natural thing you would arrive at if you were trying to design a sea monster commander in blue green um it is a, a twisted hideous abomination and <laughs> it's all we're gonna have for a very long time moving I, on I, yeah I, I don't think it's that bad but wait, let's, get, let's get to this next one this is a, a version two of a commander we've uh we've seen before we're doing let's see if it's similar so this is mizzix replica rider 
So Mizzix Replica Rider is a 4-5 Goblin Wizard, so went to the gym a little bit. Uh, for 5 mana, 4 and a red. Uh, she has flying, and whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, you may pay 1 and hybrid blue-red. So 2 mana, either 1 and a blue or 1 and a red. If you do, copy that spell, and you may choose new targets for the copy. If the copy is a permanent spell, it gains haste, and at the beginning of your end step, sacrifice this permanent so your five mana flying commander. So the the joke here is it's it she's riding on like a Nib Mizzet prototype like dragon robot. thing robot. Yeah, so that's she's like flying now and bigger and whatever. But um, yeah, how do you feel about Mizics? Well, I'll start by talking about all the ways you can, all of the things you need to do to make her work, and then I'll give you my. Okay. <laughs> like verdict. All right, um, all right. So, okay, there, there's naturally a lot of, like, you know, impulse draw in a red X color identity. So you're going to have access to things like Commune with Lava, Ignite the Future, um, uh, Inspired Tinkering, Jessica's Will, all those types of cards. Anytime you cast something from Exile, that works with Mizzix. Also, casting things from the top of your library works well with Mizzix. Um, so all those cards that say like you can look at the top card of any time and you can cast card of like X type from the your top of your library. Um, those work great in this deck. Casting things from your graveyard works well. If you have cards with flashback or jumpstart or retrace or escape, uh, all of those work fantastic with Mizzix. There's also just like single cards that will uh, allow you to cast things out of your graveyard like Gale, Waterdeep Prodigy, Efreet Flame Painter, um, Past in Flames, Arcane Bombardment, lots of stuff. So there are plenty of options for making this work. Um, the I think that this is just a bit more mana both to cast and to use the ability than I would like to be paying. Like it's a five mana commander that doesn't do anything when it comes down. And then if I have the right setup, then next turn I can pay a little bit extra mana and get one extra copy of the spell that I pay full retail for. Um, that seems uh, not unfair, perhaps too fair. Um, <laughs> That that being said, like, fair. okay, yeah, um, you know, it's it's a this is a very very fair is it commander is kind of how yeah. I would think of this, and and that being said, I think the best thing you can possibly copy is of course like a time warp, um, and because like taking two turns in a row in some kind of spell slinger deck is probably uh very strong will probably put you along the path to winning. But other than that, I don't really know how you want to win with this deck. I wasn't able to think of like a super insane combo to do here. No, I think like you just do blue red stuff. You like cast uh, an epic experiment for like eight and then copy it. <laughs> like you, you know, like there's there's just not not blazing any new trails with this one. Um, I couldn't think of that many like 
permanence that I would really want to hit with necessarily, other than like a dragon mage or something that like has an effect like that big uh, in one go. So like, this is one where I yeah I just think this is a really fair is it deck. Let's say you have an is it deck that people are complaining about in your playgroup. Like, give Mizix a try <laughs> and see if you can get some friends back. But I, I don't really have much to add. Like, there isn't really much tech, like, or there isn't really much tech that we could bring to like a listener's ear that they might not already get. So, like, Mizix is going to be casting things from exile, casting things from graveyard. And if you are an is it player and you have. I've done that before. You know the typical places to go. You're like, okay, well, my Jessica's will uh, gives me mana and cards for an exile. My ignite the future. My inspired tinkering. You know, the, if I want to cast cards from my graveyard, I got my like Snapcaster and my Gale Waterdeep Prodigy. I got my um, what's the mission briefing? The instant um, the yeah, 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 the surveil thing. Uh, yeah, the yeah. surveil thing. You know, like. This is not new for anyone, and the best ones are like the future sites, obviously, like play off the top of your library. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, this is not new territory. It's just a new, a new shell. You're going to be putting some of these cards together in ways they haven't been put together before. But it's not like groundbreaking, and that's you know that's whatever. Um, Red blue's gotten a lot of heat lately, so uh, <laughs> this next one is 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 the heat <laughs> for for a Boros deck. Let's get into this one, because this one we could talk about for forever. Sure. Uh, I, I can read it off. This is Agriscos Eternal Soldier. It's three and a white for a 3-4 legendary creature spirit soldier with vigilance. Whenever Agriscos becomes the target of an ability that targets only it, you may pay one and hybrid red-white. If you do, copy that ability for each other creature you control. That ability could target each copy targets a different one of those creatures. Um, so, interesting card. Uh, kind of, I mean, it's sort of, I mean, the deck looks completely different from Feather, but it's like kind of playing in the same space as Feather. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about the best things you can do. So, uh, we had a, a good discussion on our Discord server. A lot of the, a lot of it was about just like, breaking symmetry on red damage based board wipes there are like like the fact that this is red white has is just like kind of neat because white has gotten so many ways over the years to give things protection or indestructibility uh and then red of course has plenty of things like blasphemous act and burn down the house and blah 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 um so you can just play a deck where the whole plan is I play a bunch of like kind of crappy creatures that are good at protecting stuff. Uh, and then I, my opponents will play good cards and then I'll kill their good cards and not my bad cards. I, I think that's, uh, that's like the basic game plan, but there are other things you can do as well. Um, so other abilities you may want to consider copying. Um, you have like, uh, there's like, you can put like a counter on one thing and copy it onto everything with like Luminarch Aspirant or Siege Veteran. Um, it's, I mean, the cards are individually cheap. So like, even though it's not that impactful, it could be good. Um, another thing that's kind of neat is like, uh, 
sort of Kikijiki-esque effects. Like Kikijiki himself doesn't work because he says non-legendary, but yeah. there's things like Delina Wild Mage or Flame Rush Rider or Jaxus the Troublemaker or Rionia Fire Dancer, all of which allows allow you to make copies of uh, creatures you control. So you can make you can just target Agriscos and then put it on and copy it onto everything else. And that's probably pretty good. Um, other things that work nicely, uh, granting everything double strike, like a duelist's heritage, um, could be kind of cool, or, or like a blood mist or a chaos terminator lord or Bruce Tarl. They're all, all my stuff as, as double strike. That's probably good, even though my creatures are individually kind of crappy. Um, mm. Anything else? Um, I liked a lot of those things that you're saying. I th- I think like the coolest things about this are like the fact that, uh, yeah, you just kind of are playing bad cards. Like Sajiri Step is like almost an auto include in this deck because you for free give your team protection and like get in there. Um, mm-hmm. like you're saying the double strike effects, the like bruised tarls, the the duels heritage is the, the new one from uh 40k decks is the chaos terminator lord so that's a <laughs> mouthful there but uh, it's at the beginning of combat on your turn another another target creature you control gains double strike um so just another repeat version of that and so giving all of your um you know whatever borosi guys your flame rush riders etc um double strike every turn it's pretty good um your luminarch aspirant gets pretty off the rails i think you you said that one already and then your stuff like your selfless samurais and whatnot um go pretty wild so i think uh as far as like that goes like my game plan would be give my crappy guys protection and then cast like as many chain reactions and fault lines as <laughs> like possible so that my like crappy guys can get in there and get double strike and whatever so like like you said it's like seems very similar to feather even though most of the cards are pretty different um mm-hmm. which is cool so anthony hopkins um he's a uh, he's gonna be a good commander i think i think people are gonna have fun with him um and it it makes sense that they had to gate this one with some mana because i i'm assuming i have not been able to dig in as deep as i would have liked that there is some just like ball crap trigger <laughs> that <laughs> that is is pretty ridiculous that y- you'd be able to get off of multiple guys hitting but i I'm, I'm, have not looked into it quite as much as as i would have liked at this point so um yeah do you want to keep on moving we got one more commander and then some main deck cards Okay. Uh, next is Isu the Abominable. It is three blue blue for a legendary snow creature yeti. You may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may play snow lands and cast snow spells from the top of your library. Whenever another snow permanent enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay green, white, or blue. If you do, put a plus one plus one counter on Isu the Abominable, and it's a 5-5. Five five. Um, so this is in... This is a Bant Snow Commander, and I think it's mm, it's an interesting one. Like, it's 
this is maybe not the perfect place for like one of these playing off the top designs because it is three colors and in a three color deck like you really have to warp your mana base in order to fit a bunch of snow lands in it like not only are there just like not a lot of snow duels there's like five or there's like five no, snow there's, duels. there's six because you got the you got the actual duels from Kaldheim and then you got the the OG snowlands that ETV tapped from uh, Cold Sun. But but that was only a cycle of allied lands, so you oh. don't get a green blue option. Oh, no. oh sorry, Lame. we're gonna yeah gonna have to go in the punishment corner, Zach. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and anyway, so there's there's only five duels. Uh, and then there's like a bunch of colorless lands and then I guess you're on a run a bunch of basics. Um, so like you're trying to skew your three color deck towards running a bunch of colorless lands and basics is very painful. Um, I could, I feel like this deck could kind of do without the white. Um, there's, I'm literally running in, in the list, which you can check out in the episode description. Uh, I'm literally running four white cards um, <laughs> i i think this would have been much better as like a blue green deck um it just it would have made it easier to get the mana base into a good place um and also like most of the cards that kind of synergize with this are blue and green anyway the kind of things you want are like extra land drops so that you you can clear all the snow lands off the top of your library um you want like library manipulation of which there's plenty in both blue and green um you want lots of shuffle effects so like uh you know just any kind of land searching is pretty good in this deck and of course that's a lot of green cards um i think this would have just this should have just been blue green um i I don't get the like there are some good white cards like on thin ice yeah that's a pretty good one Mm -hmm. um but you you're just making the whole deck a lot worse. I don't, I don't really get it. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of looking through like all the other white cards you could have added, and I think, I think that's true. I think like if like because I I feel like I've said this before. Like they've made some a lot of the white snow cards they put out in Caldheim specifically too, like doesn't really matter if you're playing them in snow decks you're like search for glory is just a good card period and mm-hmm. just because you're playing snowland doesn't mean you want to play it so search for glory is uh, two and a white for a snow sorcery uh, you search your library for a uh, permanent card a legendary uh, sorry a snow permanent card a legendary card or a saga reveal it put it into your hand then shuffle your library and then you just gain a life for each snow spent to cast the spell it's like not really that much of an incentive to like want to play it. And then like you got your Dark Art Valkyrie, which is just a good card. You don't necessarily want to play that in specifically snow decks. And that's like it. So the only thing that really pushes you for that in white is like you said, onto nice. So, yeah. Hmm. And anyway, well, aside from, I guess let's, let's maybe stop talking about hypotheticals and just talk yeah. about <laughs> the, the, what the he situation does, yeah. we got. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so lots of things to just get extra value out of this playing off the top. Um, 
I didn't really focus that much on the like putting plus one plus one counters on each of the abominable. It kind of just like happens naturally because you're ramping a bunch, you're trying to play a bunch of lands off the top of your library. You will have access to extra mana, and then that's just kind of your sink is like, well, I guess I'll make Isu bigger because I got nothing better to do. Um, there is an opportunity for an infinite or not an infinite combo, like just a combo win in this deck. Um, so anytime I see a blue or rather a commander with a blue color identity that allows you to look at the top card of your library at any time, I turn to Thought Lash. That's just where my mind goes. Um, so Thought Lash is two blue blue for an enchantment with cumulative upkeep, uh, remove the top, exile the top card of your library, and you can exile the top card of your library to prevent one damage to yourself. And what that means is like if with Isu, you can just use Thought Lash to exile cards whenever you want, uh, to, until you draw the, until you like, you've set it up so that you can get the card you need. You will need to combine this with like a way to draw a card, probably, um, because you can't actually cast like a Thassa's Oracle off the top with an Isu. So <laughs> you'll have to like, yeah. So so maybe just wait until you have like an Explore or a Growth Spiral or something. But you can Thought Lash Exile until you hit your until Thassa's Oracle's on top. Draw it with some sort of Cantrip. Um, and cast it and then with the etb trigger on the stack you exile the rest of your library with thought lash and then you win the game so that's yeah that's that's a potential win con um if just putting counters on your big beater commander is not good enough to get you there yeah so i um basically the only thing i'm going to add to that is that whenever you have these like play off the top commanders especially if they're in green one of the best things to do is like explore like extra land drops is just like get them out of there (laughs) like get them out of there and especially if you do have any extra synergy you know with like your commander like i'm not necessarily looking to make isu like crazy big i don't really think plus one plus one is worth like jumping through that hoop with him or that many times at least you know i'm not like gonna do this for every snow permanent that enters but um yeah definitely play as many lands off the top of your deck every wayward sword tooth every azusa lost but seeking is absolutely worth it in these decks so uh and they just keep making them they just keep making commanders like this i don't know <laughs> why why they keep doing that um so yeah i guess can i read off we're in the main deck cards now do you want to do you want me to read off this first one Sure, go for it. So this is the only white card. We're we're not going to talk about a lot of them. A lot of them are like draft uncommon level of cards, but some of them are pretty cool, fit into some art, interesting archetypes. So this first one is uh, our only white card for the day. It's called Magnanimous Magistrate. Uh, they are a 3-4 human advisor for 6 mana, 5 and a white. So Magnanimous Magistrate enters the battlefield with 5 reprieve counters on it. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, if its mana value was one or greater, you may remove that many reprieve counters from Magnanimous Magistrate. If you do, return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. So if you can flicker this, um, if you can 
uh, like reanimate this and get those counters back. You can create some pretty cool loops um, as long as the creature is five counters or less, five mana or less. Um, but yeah, it's just an interesting little card. I don't know if the, the specifically the cards are Felidar Guardian, you know, Restoration Angel, uh, now Icewind Stalwart, uh, and a Sack Outlet. Got any of those? Got this guy? Boom. Infinite. You done it. You did it. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to this or if we want to keep on moving. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that, like, I think that I don't really know if I'd be super keen on running it outside of the combo just because, like, paying six mana to get back five mana value or less worth of guys um, doesn't seem that awesome to me um i think i'd just be ha- uh, i think i'd just be happier like running a straight reanimation effect for four mana like a resurrection or something um rather than trying to use this to get like non-infinite value for six mm-hmm. mana yeah <laughs> or or i could just or for six mana i could just play like storm of souls so that's yeah. <laughs> probably a lot better. Those okay, I, souls. Yeah, let's yeah. keep on moving. What's this? The next card. Uh, next card is pirated copy. It's four and a blue for a zero zero creature shapeshifter pirate. You may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it's a pirate in addition to its other types, and it has whenever this creature or another creature with the same name deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. So uh, I was thinking like this could be good in a deck with a lot of uniform token generation. Um, so like Talrand decks tend to run like Biden of Thassa, Coastal Piracy. If you just play pirated copy in a Talrand deck and make it a copy of a Drake, like all the all your Drakes are named Drake. It's just kind of like a five mana Coastal Piracy in that instance. Mm-hmm. Um. That's pretty that's actually really funny. Yeah, no, I I um I think this is just a really cool card in general. I think this is good for like pretty much any of the pirate decks. There's another card we're going to mention that's good with that. If you're playing one of the especially like Commander Legends pirate partners, you're probably going to benefit playing pirated copy, uh which is very silly. Um but also, yeah, like you said that that's a pretty good use for this like if you got thopters in like a psi list or something like that that this seems like a pretty good way to do it because i thought that was just a clever like line of text like yeah no 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 you go go for it attack them like <laughs> you you go get them but <laughs> it's like uh, i'll draw that card too uh but yeah that actually like cranks it to the max that way which is pretty cool um so this is a pretty useful card actually now with that application added to it. Like I was like, oh, you know, that's a cool clone. It goes into tribal list. Like a cool way to do that. And you're like, oh no, actually it's good for, <laughs> for a bunch of stuff. So yeah, no, I'm I'm I was high on this and I'm higher on it now. Yeah, neat card. Uh and I think we can move on. Uh next we have Creeping Bloodsucker. It is one in black for a one-two creature vampire at the beginning of your upkeep, creeping bloodsucker that deals one damage to each opponent. You gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. Uh, this is a card that was like not on my radar, but a couple folks in our Discord server mentioned some neat uses for it. So 
Uh, it's a good card for Rakdos, uh, Lord of Riots, the one that like you can't cast unless an opponent's lost life this turn. So it's like cheaper than Plague Spitter or uh, like Nettle Drone or whatever. It's like a lot of the options for dealing damage to each opponent's um, are a little bit more expensive than this. So this replaces some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also uh, Belby. Uh, ooh, I forgot her her title. Oh, corrupt. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Corrupted Observer. There you go. Um, so that's at the beginning of each player's post-combat main phase. That player adds uh, CC for each of your opponents who lost life this turn. So this is a good way to just activate Bell B and get your six colorless every turn. So some cool uses. Um, I, I think that that's probably all you can do with this guy. But maybe you know if, if our listeners have some other cool suggestions, please let us know. Yeah, this is. I think it's also like a. Um, if if you need a life gain trigger that you don't want to think about after you cast it, this is one like something for that. So this might be fine in like a Karlov or something like that, you know. But like, yeah, I, I think it's it's a very niche card, and uh, you'll know if you want it. Much like this next one, <laughs> which is <laughs> Disciple of Perdition. Uh, so this is a 1-3 human warlock for 2 mana, 1 and a black, uh, and has, when per- Disciple of Perdition dies, choose one. If you have exactly 13 life, you may choose both. Uh, so the options are draw a card and lose life, or exile target opponent's graveyard, that player loses a life. Um, so, you know, the booby prize of like having 13 life and getting both of them is not that important on this guy. The obviously the important one is the graveyard hosing am i right <laughs> so no yeah you you are gonna play this in like a shire you're gonna play this in like a deck that's reanimating little guys pretty easily perhaps like Aluris or something like that with a sack outlet you're gonna draw your cards you're gonna be pretty happy and then if you ever do get the 13 life thing that's just kind of gonna be a funny text message you send to the discord crew you know <laughs> like like whoa look at this i actually did the 13 life thing and we'll like whoa and that's yeah, fun you get, your, get your gamer score up um, yeah exactly your gamer points um yeah you know they play when you die that's the screen that that plays you know it's like oh nice gamer points yeah that's <laughs> pretty cool um so yeah do you want to get into the next one uh yeah i think we can move on um so termination facilitator 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 termination facilitator is one in a black for a one three creature human assassin it has tap, put a bounty counter on target creature or planeswalker, activate only as a sorcery, and whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls with a bounty counter on it is dealt damage, destroy it. Um, so there are a there is there are a couple of commanders that mention bounty counters, um, only one of which actually synergizes with this card. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Chevel um, is the green black guy from Ikoria. Um, that can put bounty counters on creatures your opponent's control, and then whenever an opponent, uh, whenever a permanent an opponent controls with a bounty counter on it dies, you gain three life and draw a card. So just having more ways to put bounty counters out there so you can draw your cor- cards more easily, um, that seems very good. The other commander I was referencing is Mathis, Fiend Hunter. Fiend Hunter? Fiend Seeker? Fiend Seeker, uh, I think? Yeah, Fiend Seeker. Um, 
Unfortunately, he puts bounty counters on things. He has, at the beginning of your end step, put a bounty counter on target creature and opponent controls. For as long as that creature has a bounty counter on it, it has, whenever this creature dies, each opponent draws a card and gains two life. Problem with that is, it's all part of the same ability. Um, So whereas Shevel had the distinct uh, counter-placing and card-drawing abilities, um, because Mathis separates them, or, or rather... Uh, packages them together like putting a bounty counter doesn't do anything because you're not also granting it the death trigger yeah the only thing that you're getting out of the bounty counter being on the creature is any synergies you would have with the termination facilitator itself basically Mm. which you know like that's whatever that's fine like that if you want this or or if you have a bounty hunter you know the uh, basically the other cards that interact with bounty counters but not mathis himself um which is kind of a bummer but that's okay uh i feel like mathis is mathis players seem to be pretty happy with what they got you know so um do you want to get into this next one we got some red cards coming up sure uh this next one is brazen cannonade it is three and a red for an enchantment Whenever an attacking creature you control dies, Brazen Cannonade deals two damage to each opponent. And Raid, at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, if you attacked with a creature this turn, exile the top card of your library. Until end of combat on your next turn, you may play that card. Uh, what do you think about Brazen Cannonade and like where it might fit into the format? Yeah, I actually really like this card. So, um, like, the... Uh, what's her name? Layla... Laelia, Laelia, is, Le- is, is how I've been saying it. Could be wrong. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm saying. <laughs> I I think I read it out loud one time and have completely forgotten about. It. Um. So she's the Blade Reforged. Um. She's the two two with haste, the Spirit Warrior from the Strixhaven Commander deck. She's the mono red one for three. Um. And uh, when she attacks, uh. You exile the top card of your library, and you play that card this turn. Whenever you cast like cards from exile, she gets bigger. It's basically something you can do with this. So, like at the beginning of your post combat main phase, if you attacked with a creature this turn, exile the top card of your library till end of turn. Blah blah blah. So, like this has the exile draw attached to that raid trigger. So, anything that cares about that, you know, is pretty good. Um, thinking like Faldorn, your Layla's stuff like that. But in particular, that first ability is pretty good because um, it might not. This might seem like a joke as I say it to people, but like attacking with 21 ones and sacking them in combat uh, is a lot easier than actually just attacking all of your opponents to death. So um, if you have a way to make this a lightning bolt, perhaps with like a Garna 2.0. So Garna 2.0 is a four mana four three. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Uh, So one black, red, red. For Garna, Bloodfist of Keld, who is a human berserker, uh, 4-3. Whenever another creature you control dies, draw a card if it was attacking. Otherwise, Garna, Bloodfist of Keld deals one damage to each opponent. So, honestly, like one of the pretty cool uncommon commanders from DMU, like Dominary United. And uh, if you, like, attack with a bunch of guys, and after combat you sack them, um, you're just draining... Uh, oh, actually, no, I guess you're just drawing a bunch of cards because this has to be an attacking creature. So you're dealing to an attacking. Still pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would still play that in that deck because like, just the value that you're getting is off the off the rails. So um, 
Yeah, I, I, I would put that there. I mean, still um, just like drawing, I draw cards and you all take a bunch of damage is like, that's fine. I'm yeah, okay it's pretty those. good. And and then you still get more cards from the Brazen Cannonade. So yeah, cards all around. Um, but yeah, this is a cool card. I think it fits in the format pretty interestingly uh, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, this next one has like the most niche like spot in the format. So I'm just, can I just read it off real quick? Mm-hmm. So this is Daring Piracy. This is a red enchantment, two and a red. Uh, so three mana. And it says at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 1-1 red pirate creature token with menace and haste. Exile it at the beginning of the next end step. So you put this in your pirate tribal list. And honestly, this is the kind of like pirate token production that, um, what's your face? Captain, um, Captain three color, bad pirate commander. Uh, really needed back in the day um so like if we had had like six more of of these then that deck might not have uh been as bad the pirate the oh god what was her name the three color pirate commander oh uh beckett brass yeah brass yeah so admiral beckett brass i was not captain that's why i couldn't find it so she like <laughs> they just weren't good token production for pirates but like and and i still don't think that deck is good but this is good in all the two color like partners this is good in ramirez to pietra the new one this oh actually never mind that's a if if you happen to draw it off of your opponent's deck it's good in that deck. Mm-hmm. um this is good in uh beckett brass but that deck needs yeah like six seven eight more daring piracies before you can actually uh do anything good so yeah a little while beckett they really they really did that to you really really be messed up what they're doing to you out here um mm-hmm. and we got one more red card do you want to get into this one sure this is ogre battlecaster two and a red for a three three creature ogre shaman with first strike whenever it attacks you may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard by paying red red in addition to its other costs if that spell would be put into a graveyard exile it instead when you cast that spell, Ogre Battlecaster gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is that spell's mana value. Um, so I was thinking about this card in like red X uh, spell slinger decks that want more creatures on the board. So like Balmor, um, it gives you a way to like reuse your spells in that deck and of course gets pumped um, by Balmor. Um, Zeta Hedron Grinder lets you reuse the spells in that deck and just another body to copy spells onto. And then Feather the Redeemed uh, works pretty well in that deck because you can cast it out of your graveyard with the Battlecaster. And then Feather's ability is going to put it in exile so it uh, still gets moved to your hand eventually instead of getting exiled permanently by the Battlecaster. So that's, that's kind of where I was thinking about with this card. I don't know if it has any broader applications than that but certainly in those niche decks mm-hmm. yeah, i i 100 agree the two red is like a little bit of a steep cost but if you're just like able to keep reusing the card like with those like zada and feathers and stuff like that then like heck yeah super done um i guess we're in the green card so we got a green card to mention um and this is primeval herald this is a 3-1 elf scout for four mana three and a green uh, it has Trample, and it has whenever Primeval Herald enters the battlefield or attacks, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. 
So this is like possibly better than explosive veggies. This is definitely, I think, better in an elf deck, you know. Uh, yeah. And then because it's like in an elf deck, I also think it'll be a lot easier for it to get in there. It's a lot easier for to make it bigger. Uh, the fact that it has trample means you're going to hit a lot. Um, it just seems like a good card. <laughs> so I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Um, cause no, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I think that like, uh, in a deck where the elf creature type or the fact that it is, is a creature doesn't really matter. Uh, I wouldn't, I would just run explosive vegetations if I was trying to ramp lands out, but yeah, definitely in an elf deck or a deck that just wants creatures of this shape and cost. Um, seems like a pretty sweet card yeah this shit, yeah exactly um so i guess we're into the artifacts and we got two more cards for you one is oh, oh sorry and i will say one more thing sorry oh yeah yeah go for it uh and with primeval herald um like if you are in a deck that can grant haste easily that's another consideration where this might be good because then it is kind of just explosive vegetation plus plus Oh yeah, um, that's that is very true. So okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, it's good. So now we got uh, two more cards for you. They're both artifacts, um, and I think they're both uncommons too. So this first one is called Instruments of War. Um, yeah, and it is a four mana artifact with flash. It says as Instruments of War enters the battlefield, choose a creature type, and creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one plus one. So very simple. Uh, I think. This is uh, not the best. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of like a colorless tribe that would even want this, and I can't really, you know, because that's like where I was like, what is bad enough that it would want an anthem like this? Because it does have flash, but it's like flash on a small anthem like this is so much more relevant in 20 life. Yeah, I can't really think of anyone who wants this necessarily. Yeah, I don't um I I think this is just too expensive for the buff. Um so I would avoid this card. All you tribal players out there, you can do better. Um mm-hmm. What's the name of that 3 mana artifact? Oh, that uh, makes a mana. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm thinking No, no, no. I'm thinking of um I mean, yeah, that that's certainly better the uh, uh but that one's just like based on color. I'm thinking of the one that even like icon of ancestry is that what i'm thinking of um, uh yeah even that one is just better than this like the flash isn't enough to make up for the one mana you're losing um, oh oh yeah i know what you're talking about um yeah icon uh, of Anth- yeah you, know, you choose a type and you can pay three and look yeah, at yeah. stuff yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay um so yeah, move on to the last card yeah last card so do you want to do you want to read this one off Sure, this is Planar Atlas. Two mana for an artifact, it enters the battlefield tapped. And when Planar Atlas enters the battlefield, you may look at the top four cards of your library. If you do, reveal up to one land card from among them, then put that card on top of your library and the rest on the bottom in a random order. And it taps for a colorless. So it's like a two-cost mana rock that enters the battlefield tapped and can set up your... um, can make it so that you are guaranteed to have a land on top. Uh, I don't actually find this card incredibly compelling. Um, I still, if I'm looking for two mana rocks, I think I would go for one of the many untapped ones. 
but I think um like like wizards I think this is like an interesting signpost in how wizards is designing mana rocks. I, I think that going forward we are going to see um two cost mana rocks that enter the battlefield tapped and have some little minor bonus because we saw this and then it was like ebony fly or something um yeah i liked ebony fly yeah so that, that's another one that's from um the adventures in the forgotten realm commander decks that enter the battlefield tapped and then you can animate it into an um flying artifact creature that can give something else flying as well so i think that's kind of like gonna be the split we see these these two cost tapped rocks or like three mana rocks that un- come into the battlefield untapped and have some sort of larger bonus. I, I still, I think that like, I mean, I still like the two mana untapped rocks better than the, the tapped ones. Um, but I, I think that like you could convince me to play a three mana rock. Cause I expect that the bonuses on those are going to be better than the ones on these tapped rocks. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably, like, um, in some of these decks we were talking about where you're playing off the top, putting a land on top that you know you can play, it's probably fine, you know? Like, because you're, you're getting to, like, look at the top four and manipulate them in some way. So I think I think there's, like, some commanders that might want something like this, but for the most part, like, this is uh, not what I'm looking for. I liked Ebony Fly. I played that in a deck. Uh, and it was pretty okay, you know. It was fine. Um, so yeah, I like if they're gonna keep printing these like two mana rocks, even if they enter tapped, that like have some marginal uh, either utility or late game utility in particular with the ebony fly. Like I'm, I'm happy with that. Like I don't really want any more signets, you know. Like I don't, I don't need them. I don't care. The format is pretty good and you have a lot of options at this point so yeah if you're gonna do these two mana rocks like make it spicy you know make it Mm -hmm. like make me go oh that's interesting or like make it really like like a liquid metal torque like yeah let's put that in this weird place you know yeah actually i think that's a great um example of like an if well okay liquid metal torque does also have the benefit of like uh being untapped so maybe that's yeah i guess i guess maybe it's not but 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 i I agree like i would want to see something on that level like if if liquid metal torque entered the battlefield tapped, i'd i'd still probably would play it in the decks with a lot of artifact destruction i think that kind of like niche bonus is what would get me to play one of these tapped rocks yeah yeah no i i agree so that is that is it. We've done the jump start. So there, there are a lot more cards in the set. But like I said, most of them are reprints, either reprints or they're like bad draft chaff. Um, yeah. And I do want to say, so like, I, I want to ask your final thoughts, but I am very glad this seems like a return to form for jump start, um, much like the one we saw in 2020, um, which I think is just one of the best products that they put out. Like, Mystery Booster for reprints, Jumpstart for reprints, and for these new commanders. Those are two of my like favorite things Wizards has ever done, and they came out in like the most inopportune <laughs> time <laughs> possible. Um, so I'm really glad to see this. Like we're getting like very niche cards, like the Daring Piracy, you know, the the Disciple of Perditions, and the stuff like that. Uh, on top of 
new commanders, but I, I do want to know how you're feeling about them. Like, how do you feel about this set? Do you think it lives up to the jump start of old, or do you think this is like they just flubbed it? What 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 are you thinking at this point? Oh no, I'm I'm high on Jumpstart 2022. Um, I like that they changed it up a little bit and made it so there's a lot more legends in this one than the prior the previous previous one prior one. Um, <laughs> I'm let me let me just like hold on let me just check that I'm telling the truth here. Um, uh, oh yeah, so there definitely were only a handful of like new legendary creatures in the last one. So love seeing more here. Uh, I think that they explored some interesting design space with these legends and were like clearly trying to make do- new archetypes or like support archetypes that weren't really supported. Um, so that's, that's great. Like we got a monkey and ape commander. We got an insect commander. We got a sea monster commander. Uh, we got a, a new snow commander. I think all that all this is fantastic. I'm very pleased with this product. Um, I do I not like honestly the only thing I only criticism I have of like the jumpstart product series is like I don't think they should be doing the set uh, themed jumpstarts like the Brothers War jumpstart or um, oh, yeah. Dominaria jumpstart. I think those uh, like. I I don't think that's very compelling. I think the new cards they introduce in those are like very safe and boring. Whereas the new cards in in Jumpstart 2022, I'm all like, oh, okay, a lot of cool stuff here. I mean, we uh, certainly enough to fill out a two hour episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I I mean, maybe I I'm discounting like the fact that the well, how much how many. Are there good reprints in like the the set themed jumpstart products? I don't think so. No, not usually, which is one of the criticisms of them. Because like yeah. the um, if you look at um, I don't even know how I find the jumpstart brothers war. Is it just like is it in the brothers war set like code? Is that where the jumpstart cards are even? <laughs> I think so. I actually think it, yeah, jumpstart, they're in the brothers where says, so it's bro for the jumpstart cards. So the, we did, uh, I don't actually think we talked about these in particular, but they weren't really good enough to talk about anyway. We got a rescue retriever, which is like a flash three, three oh, dog yeah. soldier. See, okay. This is sad. Hold on. So yeah. the way they do the set jumpstarts like Dominary United. So you're, there's five new cards. And uh, there is like ten different, um, ten different packets. Uh, basically, two for each color, and the you are guaranteed like one of these uh, jumpstart booster rares, one of these five rares in the boost in the packet of the appropriate color, and then you get a random green rare or mythic rare. So there's not even like really any thought put into the reprints it's just like Mm -hmm. random rares or mythics from that set uh so so that's just quite sad i I think that they should not be wasting their time or our time with the set booster jump starts because that's just going to lead to some confusion uh about what your child actually wants for christmas (laughs) <laughs> and you're gonna have a, a sad kid on christmas day i think that's what's gonna happen yeah and and i think that there is like interesting uh like 
they they get so close to interesting designs, but they like I feel like they flub it each time, you know, like like the there's just not really I don't know. They're usually just overcosted or or kind of beef it. Or these ones that we're seeing in Jumpstart 2022, like even if it's like something that we can criticize for like 20 minutes, like a uh can uh what is his name? Can Kinesos, that one. Um mm-hmm. like Kinesos the sea monster tribal guy like at least is like doing something <laughs> mm-hmm. where like sometimes the card in the jump start set booster or i don't want to call it that like the the set specific jump start packs are um just like not really doing much of anything or they're just like very watered down you know like there's just better ways to do that there's geology enthusiast is in uh the, the blue packs for brothers war and it has a six mana draw a card and put a counter on this which is like a thing we've seen a ton of times you know there's not really a specific reason uh, there's more text on that card but you know it's like if you hadn't heard of that card before this there's probably a reason <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah so definitely these are cooler i don't know why the like year specific ones get to be juiced and the set ones don't but i hope that they either yeah like stop putting effort into the set ones because i don't care and it seems like most people don't or just make them at this level you know like just give us a few cards that are interesting so Mm -hmm. yeah that's where i'm at too um but yeah i really like this set and uh i don't know if you have any last thoughts you want to say before we we close out today no i think that's pretty much all um good job wizards on this latest jumpstart i'm excited to see uh more non-set related jumpstarts in the future although honestly like uh man we're we're getting so close to all will be one and i might actually like I'll keep an open mind for that one. I'm I'm <laughs> normally do not buy sealed products, but I'm sorely tempted to just buy kind of one of everything for that. I uh I'm highly anticipating this new Phyrexia set. I'm very, very stoked. And I guess that's more about a different set than it is about jump starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't contain the excitement. It's all good. But that that's where I'm at at the moment. Um yeah. but, with that, I think we can give a thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, James, Logan, Roger, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrew, Vasilios, Logan, Fugger, Brutal, Carl, Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, Carrie, Stephen, and The Longs. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln continental by Nick cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. 
you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think. Thank you.